So uh, welcome everyone and thank you for joining us for another BMW Blog podcast. Today we have a, another very special guest, uh, Anders Warming, former uh, chief of BMW exterior design, head of mini design and a very, very long career in the automotive industry. Um, I don't think Anders needs a lot of introduction. <laughs> so Anders, welcome to our uh, podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope you're doing well. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And I hope you're doing well and everybody else is doing well. Of course, it's a challenging time with a lot of uh, pandemic going on. So I just wish for everyone to be safe and uh, have a good time. You know, basically holidays coming up, but still be safe. That's important. Exactly. Same to you. Yeah. Same to you. All right. So let's jump right in. So let's start first with what you've been, been up to lately. And then we can go back in, into the past a little bit. So tell me more about what you're doing today. I really like your question, actually, because a lot of times I end up being asked uh, about, let's say, the past topics. And I think like so many other designers, I just I'm like uh, so excited about the future. And uh, I actually want to talk about the future and what's to come, basically. Um, so what I'm up to lately is basically uh, last year. Um, so beginning of last year, so it's like a year and a half ago, almost uh, mm -hmm. uh, I established or more than that. I established my own design company, uh, made myself, let's say, independent and, and work as a designer towards the industry. And um, my target for that was not so much, let's say, um, I would say even to create my name or make my name anything, I would say, bigger or special. Uh, I call it warming design because people are then obviously relating to my career and what I do. But I think uh, what's really important for me is that it's a platform for me to, to do other things, new stuff, different things. And people that know me know I always look for like the next new thing and something maybe I've never tried before. So with warming design, I have an opportunity to work on stuff that's, of course, car related, but also beyond cars. So I've worked on architecture proposals. I've worked lately also on flying autonomous objects. So I'm really trying to spread out into objects that are not always confined to, let's say, um, cars. As much as I love cars, and everybody that know me, knows me knows how much I love cars. But the thing is, I also feel that there's so many other cool, fun things to design. And uh, that's why I say with warming design, one of the things I really work towards is to, um, to use it as a platform to work on other things also cars, but also outside of cars. Gotcha. So, I mean, if you, what, what are some of the trends that you see today as far as industrial design? So not necessarily cars, like you mentioned quite a few, but um, how would you describe design into the future, basically? Well, I think the most important thing is that everything becomes more digital. I mean, we're learning that through this period of pandemic as well. We're also learning that, uh, you know, the side to our daily life, becomes more and more um, digital. So our competence really moves towards uh, digital ex experiences. So that's a big change that um, we talk more, I would say less about design, or I would like to talk less about design as, as the object, like, I don't know, this USB stick, this is like somebody sat and designed that shape. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's nice. Um, so, I will actually know that now we're talking more of the, let's talk about this USB stick. Sure. It's maybe more about the experience of when you, 
when you apply it to your object, what kind of menus come up? How does this provider offer you a different experience of data transfer, whatever like that? Mm-hmm. That becomes more important, the experience around whatever this guy basically was building and trying to sell to his customers. So that's what I think is so exciting that things become more and more digital. Now that could sound like things are getting more and more cold from a standpoint of like digital removed. But I even think like in this last year, the pandemic has showed us that digital uh, tools like social media and, you know, Zoom and WebEx and Skype and whatever, the whole digital experience actually can bring people closer together. Mm-hmm. It right. almost breaks down boundaries. Yeah, it's almost like uh, we become more international. Yeah. Uh, my, imagine, uh, apart from the objects that we design and maybe more digital, of course, I'll get back into that. But the process also is quite interesting. Like for me lately, uh, I haven't traveled, I think, like the rest of us or everyone hasn't been traveling for, I guess, three quarters of a year, like no traveling. Uh, that's not true. I went for some uh, full, full-size models this, uh, this summer. So I did go to Italy for some modeling. But but generally, uh, the, the two years before, I was, as you probably know, with Borgward, mm-hmm. and I was in Stuttgart, and I was in Beijing, like every month. So I was traveling, you know, I was in an airplane all the time. And uh, so I don't miss all the traveling, I'll be honest, yeah. What really comes up is that we work more digital and we get to know people more digital. So, for example, in my current job, you know, the experience of working with people in China early in the morning, I get into the office early morning, talk to the Chinese guys. Mm-hmm. Then I work with the European guys during, during the day, yeah. still through Zoom or Skype or whatever. Or, yeah. And then in the evening, like I'm talking to you in America. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's so it only one day, basically. Yeah, exactly. But the interesting thing is that's why I say digital is doesn't mean digital removed. It actually means we get closer to each other. Actually, mm-hmm. it breaks down, ge- uh, let's say, geographical boundaries, because it's easier for you and I to meet like this. I just came out of a meeting with some people in Germany, and I close off the meeting and I go into the meeting with you. And I yeah. love this flexibility. That's why digital is going to change the way we design objects, process-wise, but also object-wise. Yeah, so you mentioned, uh, you know, hardware design and, and the integration with software. As a designer, when you go about designing a new product, do you do you already think about the integration with software or you just worry about here is what the design should look like? I don't have to worry about the software part. A uh, little bit the, last, the latter. Uh, it's uh, the chicken egg discussion. Uh, I don't want to say I don't want to worry about it, mm-hmm. but I've found out in this world... Um, who said that? That was um, it's a it's an old quote from Henry Ford. And I was listening to um, the podcast from Chris Bangle and Eric Galina lately, yeah. uh, and and Chris was also mentioning it. This thing about Henry Ford saying, "If I'd asked people, uh, if I'd asked the customer what he wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse." Mm-hmm. You know, that he was, actually so, told us too. We actually talked to Chris about a month ago. Or ah, that's good. So yeah. that uh, that's a. Uh, I mean, it's a it's an eternal quote. I mean, it's yeah. been, the quote has been around for a hundred years or more. Mm-hmm. But the point is, that goes back to your answer um, or the, uh, the answering your question is that there comes a point where I don't really want to ask people what they can build, especially when we talk about exterior. Uh, sorry, exterior. We talk about experience. When we talk about experience, 
what I have to do with my abilities and with my guys and the stuff we do for the people mm -hmm. is for the clients is basically I want to visualize the experience as I want it, as I would wish for it to happen. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of wishful thinking in the stuff that the crazy people, designers come up with. You know, yeah. we have stuff that I had a meeting with a client this morning about a project um, and um, I, I to, without giving anything away, but I do know he almost fell off the chair. He was like, what am I going to do with this? This is like, this is, this is so far away from what I usually was mm -hmm. expecting. But then I'm saying, well, let's talk about the feelings and the experiences involved. And then, and then he goes like, yeah, come to think of it, we actually have this technology and we have this technology. So it could be possible, but you just kind of have to put it together in sort of a hodgepodge later. So you have to start with the experience. And I'm a little bit naive when it comes to that. And I believe that uh, a little bit like, and then the rest will come. Because when you start with the experience, then at least you can get the clients, uh, potential customers on board on why we're doing it. Sure. And then the what and the how will then be uh, defined. Um, answer also a short answer to that is I think also you have to think of it in three layers like the what and the how and then the why. And usually if you go into discussing why are you doing certain things, you can allow yourself to be a lot more free in your thinking. If you talk about what and how, then of course it's very process driven and technology driven. So I like to lift it to the why, to the experience level first. Sure. So now if we go into the world, into the world of cars, um, what are some of the uh, trends that you see, some of the design trends? Where do you see the automotive world heading towards? Well, I wish I was, I could give you something positive, but I would say one of the trends is that cars look the same. Okay. And it's something uh, that uh, they do obviously- know? Sorry to interrupt you, but do they? Because I mean, if you look at the BMW brand, I think that's exactly what they're trying to do is not look the same. And that's been met with a lot of controversy lately. That's and true. That's true. So um, maybe maybe on that point, you're actually true that there definitely is creating some differentiation. Um, I think generally that, um, that uh, the trend is though that a lot of brands are actually trying to play it safe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think it's, it has a reason, it has a reason. So I don't want to bash it that either. So it's not a for or against. What I'm sure. saying is that, that um, a trend is that things kind of converge um, down to, let's say a steering wheel, because we often talk Mercedes, BMW, Alpha, uh, Tesla, I don't know, any brands, right? Mm -hmm. But let's talk about uh, components. That's why I think it's all a lot the same, you know, like a steering wheel is always kind of like the same steering wheel, you know, and then Aston Martin for a while, they did the square steering wheels and then people say, ah, oh, we're not sure we like it. And then they're kind of going back. And so, but what I'm saying is that the object itself, the door handle, I thought that was pretty nice actually on that new um, Ford Mark E. I yeah. thought that mm -hmm. the omission of door handles, as far as the, you know, experience, like, let's get rid of the door handle. I mean, it sounds so maybe dumb and basic, but I just, when I saw it, I was like, that is cool. You know, you just, you got that little thing and you got the stopper and you, oh, okay, nice, nice touch there, Murray. Very good. Yeah. And I think um, that's, that's what I want to get at. I want to get at these other experiences. So whenever it's like, 
if you go to a mall into the food court mm-hmm. and every food court kind of have the same use of, let's say, cilantro, you know, mm-hmm. everything tastes kind of like of cilantro. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hoping for, because I like food too, you know, I just want different tastes. Yeah. So I do, I do applaud uh, the brands that dare to go uh, against the stream. I definitely do. You know, my record of yeah. doing <laughs> semi-radical stuff here and there that people go like, oh, that's too wild. Yeah. So I think it's fine. Uh, you have to go certain places. And what I really wish is for um, all of us, and it includes myself, mm-hmm. to uh, I have this uh, mantra uh, in the projects that I work on. I say, daringly thinking future. Mm-hmm. Sounds kind of or uh, obvious, daringly thinking future. But thinking future, it's something you have to you have to trust yourself in making those statements, mm-hmm. and you have to trust yourself in saying, well, actually, I think that could could happen. So the trend. Unfortunately, sometimes it's that people are being a little bit too timid and being a little, oh, I'm not sure, will our customers like it? And um, so I hope for more differentiation. I don't, I, I see too often a car where I think, yeah, so it looks like that other car. And I see this car and I go like, well, that's, well, okay, now they have this solution. Then these people say, well, we're going to have that on our car too. And then it, and it kind of uh, makes us yeah. together. I'd like to separate a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting topic. I mean, clearly we've been debating that uh, over the last few months with the new designs that we've seen from BMW especially. But uh, I think the one thing that I always think is, you know, you have this iconic design elements you know, from BMW, Mercedes, you know, you've been doing this for, you know, decades and now you're trying to change them. And, uh, people just don't like change basically that's one thing and then second of all is how do you how do you change your brand without changing it too much so like to give like specific example on the you know most recent beamers you know we've seen the you know the Hofmeister king the Hofmeister king being redesigned and people don't like that because it doesn't look like an you know on an e30 or whatever car it was before so how do you still stay true to your brand but still you know design new products and differentiate them I think it's fairly simple, honestly. Um, yeah. I, um, I do like, first uh, part of the answer would be, I do like what Tesla did with the Cybertruck. Um, I, I liked it. It woke, it woke me up. Yeah, uh, a lot and, of people. Yeah, and also yeah. I have to say, I was also happy to see that uh, actually a month or two before I had been working on a project or a pitch for a client where I had proposing similar things. Mm-hmm. So. So I kind of felt like, yeah, you know, I wasn't too far off. I was actually playing with this like uh, thing also. Um, so I felt kind of proud to say, okay, yeah, I, I was da- I also dared to think future, you know. Mm-hmm. What I did like, by the way, I loved the Cybertruck logo in the background, that graffiti thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's just, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. You know what I also like? Um, and I didn't like it at first, but now I've actually come to like it because I spent more time looking at it, is that Mercedes G, G-Wagon from Virgil Abloh. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the off-white one, yeah. And uh, at first I was like, what is this, uh, right? And the more I looked into it, I was like, I get it. And now I'm working on this other project where I actually kind of looked at this interior and I go like, I like that. Yeah. It's, it's because it is so, so naive, 
in a good way. So actually, I like the word naivety, uh, but that's another thing. So that's one side of things. I do like these bold new statements. Uh, what you, the second thing you pointed out was what happens if you have these icons like BMW, like Mini, yeah. like Mercedes, like uh, uh, Jaguar, whatever. What, what do you do with that, though? And that's where I think it's fairly simple. Um, like I say, uh, it's almost like a map of things you can do and you can't do. Um, what I would like to do with all icons for any brand is I would want to develop them technologically. So uh, I can't specifically mention why Hofmeister like this or Hofmeister like that. That is not my job either. I'm sure Adrian and his team know how to solve that issue. But um, the point that I'm uh, more interested in is how can you take something that you consider an icon and give it new life? I'll give you an example. I was thinking about this the other day, uh, sitting in traffic, and I was looking over, uh, and uh, it came a beautiful, of course, this was still before winter came, so this was this fall, came a beautiful BMW 2002 sitting next to me, right? And I see that uh, chrome strip running all the way around the car, you know? Yeah. And, right. and little little Anders, you know, heart beating, going like, oh, so cool. Oh, I love this line. I just love that chrome strip that goes all the way around. Yeah. Oh, I love it. You know, sit and look at it. So I would say that w would be a perfect uh, placement for door handles, uh, touch door handles, for sensors, for PDCs, for technology. So you take the old icon and you fill it with new features and you yeah. give it new life. That's how I would mm -hmm. go about it. There's so many sensors lately, so you end up having these huge grills and all of that because now you have to hide them, right? So I'm not sure, but I'm not sure about this because no? uh, okay. there, well, there is a package for every brand. There's a package for for the for the radars, you know. Yeah, um, so there's package for radars, and there's we have the bumper beam, we have the headlight size, we have the reflection angle for the headlight, we have the reflection up to the side. I mean, the whole front end of any car and body size as well in are basically color by numbers at this point because you you basically have so many hard points: crash, safety, acoustics, aerodynamics, blah 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 blah, uh, sensors especially. So I don't even think, again, also that, that this front-end discussion is a topic for me um, because uh, I don't understand. Uh, yeah, I think it's, um, it doesn't need, certain things don't need to be small or doesn't need to be the, that big. You know, you can just kind of, you don't really need to go that far with certain things and play it up. What I think you can do is, like I said before, take existing icons. Mercedes did that a couple of years ago with their star and they found a way to print uh, the logo onto there and uh, we don't have a big problem with it they still have sure. a problem now in the middle of a mercedes grill where you got those chrome lines that mm -hmm. connect over that glass thing yeah so if i were on their side of things i would say hey that's an interesting topic how to solve the integration of that radar there in the front um with a new idea for a grill you know and they've done beautiful things with this parametric grill that I think a lot of customers are willing to pay a lot of money for. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. I do like uh, um, a lot of the stuff that they're doing. I have to say, um, uh, I think that that the more look at the, yeah, what's it called? Uh, EQC, the one, EQC, no, not the, the, the electric one. No, 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 no. That was the that's what I'm talking about. The one, the, the concept card they showed at, uh, at Frankfurt last year. 
that's very simple you know kind of like there's some there's some there's some nice things about yeah, that I don't even remember that one, yeah yeah I, the names are a little bit uh, difficult yeah. I apologize for that but I mean so I think that's a that's an interesting topic um, like I say what I think each existing icon whether that's mini or that I obviously worked on for many years or whatever uh, each existing icons should be if it needs to be updated it needs to be updated with technology. That's the justification yeah. for the next step. For example, like on Mini, when we did the Union Jack taillights, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. we, we took the idea of, of the icon of Union Jack and added to the function of a light, yeah. you know, and that, that yeah. kind of works, I think. Yeah, so that's, a, that's another interesting topic, Mini, because I've been, I've been talking about that also quite a bit the last few years. Um, very iconic brand. I think it did really well for over a decade. And now it's starting to a point where people, I feel like they want something new. They don't want the same media they've always been having. So how do you, how do you do that also? Well, I, I was going to ask a, a dirty question back and say, yeah. do they, do they? I think they, I mean, the, the sales point to that, I don't know exactly, but this, yeah, the, the, the sales do, do point to people not actually buying mini cars. They are buying the, the countryman, which is, you know, the crossover. But I find uh, the small hatches. They I, I would say you might even know the, the the latest sales numbers better than I because I've been out of the company for many years now. But I would say this way around, uh, my impression is that honestly, and I mean this <laughs> from the bottom of my heart, I believe in the brand and I believe it's uh, it's relevant. Mm -hmm. It's still a brand where a lot of I've worked for other brands since then, of course. And uh, Mini and BMW is always a, a benchmark and a reference for many, many uh, um, competitors. They always look to Mini and say, well, this is pretty good. It's, it's working. Yeah. Why does Mini work? I think because, first of all, it's got a rooted uh, story in a history. Mm -hmm. So that is important. It always had, has, an, uh, you know, let's say, a significance. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing is also, I think Mini... Uh, and obviously, Gareth did a great job on that. And then I had the pleasure of leading the team for six years, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I think also Oliver is doing a great job right now, Oliver Heimer, um, is that the first ideas that came from that R50 from, from Frank at the time uh, have been carefully uh, massaged for years, just like uh, Klaus Busse at uh, Fiat make sure that his Cinquecento is being carefully massaged into the next generation. There's no point in, in cutting it off, in my view, and leave people wondering what happened to my Fiat. Um, so same thing with Mini. Um, and I think, like I say, also my successor, uh, uh, Oli, is doing a great job on that. Is ask the customers, have a dialogue with the customers what they really want, the paying customers, mm -hmm. um, and then look inward within the team. We did that, my favorite, one of my favorite projects, obviously, was Mini Next 100. Mm -hmm. uh, because Mini Next 100 was cool, quirky, fun, urban, mm -hmm. mini, but it still looked super futuristic. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so that's a good example, I think, of how to take an icon and keep it relevant. But do you think that Mini is the best candidate for electrification? Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, just like, I mean, uh, smart has a good name, which is called smart, mm -hmm. clever, smart, right? Yeah. So uh, smart, mini, these are brand promises. Mm -hmm. If you say mini, you talk compact and clever. Mm -hmm. You know, our uh, uh, mantra at mini is creative use of space. 
So mini is creative use of space. That also means the creative use of space in an urban environment. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think that uh, uh, that that's a thing. Even for people, and I obviously get a little bit, you know, uh, mean about that sometimes when people say, "Well, do you think that isn't mini getting too big?" And I say, I say, I would say I, that's a question I've gotten ten times, uh, eighteen oh. times. I don't know, but the point is, I would say, no, of course not. We can get out a measuring tape and measure the Audi A1 if you want, and it's the same money and it's the same buyer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the only thing is that car is this much longer. So again, also, what's Mini? We're always the shorter ones, uh, and if we are 425 on the Clubman uh, overall length, so the competitor from Wolfsburg is I don't know 435. Okay, so which one's the Mini? You know, it's always like that. We have to be careful that we make sure that we have a, uh, a car for small footprint. And that goes back to that mantra, creative use of space. Mm -hmm. And I still think what I see from the mini team, they really work very well with this mantra, creative use of space, be creative. That's a wonderful thing. And use the space uh, sustainably and cleverly. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. Uh, let's go back into the past a little bit. <laughs> oh. Tell me some of your uh, favorite projects at BMW Group. Oh, there's so many. Um, I know you've done quite a few cars, but... Uh... Yeah, no, my favorite projects. Oh, that's really interesting. I don't know. I have to say, uh, I mean, it's kind of coming back because these people were asking me this fall to do, to feature also on Instagram a little bit more the Z4 because I haven't played it up for a while yeah. i haven't even talked about it i haven't done anything so people say well put it on your post it's like okay cool i like to do that i love it so i kind of yeah. in the last couple of uh, months i went a little bit deeper back into maybe you saw the film or something yeah, like that yeah i saw that that was, that was a fantastic film it it's just nice a, it's just a little yeah uh, you know i do some of the social media stuff here where i just put up a camera and speak about design that's enough so that actually works today yeah that's a yeah. good idea yeah yeah it's, it's just, because i feel like the way we're talking here mm -hmm. You know, I'm using my hands to explain. So it's nice to just kind of speak for 10 minutes about a project. I, I cut it down to five minutes mm -hmm. and then I just show some pictures in between. So it keeps yeah. it a little bit live and a little bit course, interesting, a yeah. little, nice. little more YouTube side. Anyways, oh, enough about that. But that means that I've been actually uh, reminiscing a little bit about the Z4. I actually for many years forgot about it mm -hmm. because I've been working on future, future, future stuff. So I haven't been looking in the rearview mirror for many years. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of nice this uh, last couple of months where I was like, okay, let's look at these things, you know? And I was like, oh, look at that. That's funny. And then I looked at these old sketches. So, yeah, I mean, I think the Z4, I, uh, as time goes by, I get more and more proud of that car. Maybe I'm getting old, but you know this. We're all getting older. But um, so that's one. That yeah, but I... I, oh, it's a I I always have a problem looking rearward a little bit like that because I like to look to the future. Yeah? Well, that's a beautiful car, though. I mean, that's something that um, I I don't think I've seen any people criticizing that car, basically. So, oh, I mean, from okay. Where you're from, well, let's so. say let's say we that's nice, but I I do think that we I know we took a little bit of flack uh, in two thousand one two thousand two when we started introducing the new form language. Yeah, and not only I, but a lot of the, uh, obviously the management and the team members, mm -hmm. we were all kind of a little bit ducking here and there yeah. but i think we, but the point is we knew that that we felt that it was quality and i do think because we were looking at our gut feelings mm -hmm. yeah i do think that we were uh we were we were onto something you know if you look at the rocker lines on most competitor cars right now yeah 
I don't want to be big. I don't want to be big headed, but I'm just saying. I'm just yeah. saying. So there's a lot of. I mean, we got because people say, you know, you can't have that line hang through. We were really getting hacked for it. So you can't do that. Really? Then Chris Chapman, he did the concept car X Coupe, and he mm -hmm. put it on there as well. And I mean, we were like, ah, ah you know. Yeah. So it was only kind of designers at the time that really said, no, that's okay, you know. And it's form language. Anyways, so Z4 is uh, interesting, of yeah. course. Uh, I do uh, love the Millimilia and Gina that I worked on. Yeah, those are fantastic. Uh, yeah, but but that's more like a emotional because Millimilia is clearly a retro car that nobody really wanted or needed. It's just mm -hmm. a celebration of history, yeah. and and we were just designers having fun. Mm -hmm. You know, we actually had a project, uh, uh, and we were supposed to uh, do. Uh, 10 cars uh, for a future lineup of cars. We did that, uh, internal projects. And uh, this car became car number 11. Mm, nice. So it was along the way, we just yeah. found out, ah, oh, let's do this Millimilia thing. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know what happened? Um, I can, t this is an inside scoop. I can actually sure. give you this scoop. Uh, because uh, Chris came by, Bangle at the time, he came by one time and he was saying, well, can you imagine... Um, what would happen if you take this 328 mm -hmm. and you mix it with your form language from, from Z4? What would happen? And I was like, oh, cool, you know. <laughs> so, and then he, he, he said, uh, Zilla Zilla. So instead of saying Millimilia with an M, Millimilia, he said Z Zilla Zilla. So actually, the beginning of the project working title was Zilla Zilla okay. because double, double Z, right? So that yeah. was kind of fun. And then, then, uh, then he walked off, and he. I did. I think those sketches that you know, those were actually the first sketches. Anyways, yeah. so I wrote underneath, and the original says is actually says Zilla Zilla. I edited that out later. But anyways, and then um, I was having a late night kind of fun with it, and then I said, what What would happen if you took other things, other cars of other brands, and add the Z from the Z4 to it? Mm. So I did a whole series. I did a, a Ziva. So that was a Riva boat with a Z. So, oh, I did a, so I did a Ziva. I did a Zatalante, which is an Atalante Bugatti with a Z. So it's a Bugatti with a Z. Horrible stuff, but it was fun. <laughs> um, and I did a Zisco Solante. So Disco Volante with a Z. And the last one was, so wait a minute. So it's Ziva, Zatalante, Zilazilia, uh, is that I'm missing one, but I had one more, so I had five, and I remember showing them to Chris. I, I met with him last year, also before the pandemic. I went yeah. to visit him again, Italy, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're just having uh, fun and hanging out for a day and whatever. Uh, I was on a project in Turin, so I went down to see him, yeah. and um, and uh, and then I remember we talked about it. It's like, do you remember those Zatalante and Ziva? He's like, oh, yeah, we got to look at that one day, so <laughs> one day I might dig them out, maybe. Yeah, but, yeah, but 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 that's a big background. Anyways, too much about the Millimilia. That was kind of more of a fun project. That's cool. But um, but the the two, I would say, I want I want to mention three more cars really quick. Sure. And one uh, that I really love and I'm very proud of still to this day uh, is the work together with Christopher Weil that when we did the F30 BMW. Okay. I think F30 uh, as a as a three series update with the nose that got that nice break to it and it's got the double zicker that uh, yeah, you know it crosses mm -hmm. and and the impression of width because on the E90 we had a little bit of too uh, a narrow plan view to the I understand because it was aerodynamically driven mm -hmm. and it actually was 
made all sense. But we felt we needed to make the three series a little bit wider. So we made that taillight a little bit wider. And, and, and I just love the way that we had the uh, headlight go to the kidneys mm -hmm. that we then used, obviously, also on the F32, F34. Uh, it was that generation of car. I mean, F32, F34 with Per Selvag was a fantastic car as well. Yeah. But I would say my, I really, really liked the F30 and F31 yeah. as a touring. I like that as well. But I really, every time I see the F30, just a nice 320 or 325, a very clean 3 Series, I really, I'm very proud of that car. We spent a lot of time really tuning that car. And there was the beginning of a lot of pedestrian protection on the hood. That's why that shape is like that. Yes. You want to hear an anecdote about that front? Sure. sure. Yeah. So the point was, uh, it was early January. I remember we were on Christmas break and we came back and we had, uh, Christopher had done a lot of, Christopher Weil had done a lot of cool sketches with the horizontal lamps that went to the kidneys and we were trying to work it out. And then uh, we had got new information, like, apparently over Christmas, there's been new information about the pedestrian. pedestrian. Yeah, because you got a center line and then you got some head crash and some knee and uh, that's basically a mesh that's being laid over the hood. And then we came down to it that, that we actually had to, there was an, it had a normal hood, like a normal section, center line. Mm -hmm. And it came and they said, you have to come like this and then you have to break it and go down to the kidney. And we were like, what? And then um, some of the models had put it in, like say, you have to, we have to flatten here. So yeah. it's almost like a break in the bonnet. And I remember Christopher and I, and I think Kevin Rice, we were looking at it yeah. and we were just standing going like, so first we're saying, that's never gonna work. Yeah. And, then, and then we looked at it again, it was like, we're gonna make it work. We're go and the funny thing is when you look at it today, you really see the center line come out and it bam, goes down to the kidneys. So that break was actually given to us by restrictions for pedestrian protection. And we just kind of massaged it with the modelers for a long time. So that was kind of fun. Um, so that's the second car I want to mention. And the other two I really want to mention is the Superleggera uh, design that I did together with uh, Louis at, uh, at the Touring Superleggera for the, for the Villa d'Este. So uh, I love that car. It paved the way for, for the taillights um, and it was just a wonderful, it's still a beautiful car today, super legere. It started with my, my front end sketches that we showed to Dr. Dees at the time, mm -hmm. uh, or Adrian showed it to him. I think it was him. He had a meeting with him and he said, well, we were thinking about, you know, doing a sports car for Villa Desta and he agreed to it. Yeah. And then, uh, Adrian had this idea that we should talk to, uh, Louis because he'd been talking to him about maybe BMW stuff. But how about do a BMW or do a Mini instead of a BMW? Because Zagato had done a BMW the year before, I think. The year before, yeah. So, so it would have been like for Superleggera, it was kind of that chance to do something for touring, to do something more unique, to work with me on the Mini. So that's, a, a, I love this car. And it was so much fun to work together with Pietro and with Louis down there in Italy. Really, really cool car. Nice. Um, and the last one I want to mention, of course, I already mentioned, is the Mini Next 100. Um, mm -hmm. Super proud of that car. Yeah, I agree. Every time I see it, I'm like, it's beautiful. That's the one I like. That's yeah. that's how I would like my mini. I'm sorry to be. I don't want to be big headed. Sorry, that's mm -hmm. not what I mean to say. No, okay. But if as if if I as a client, as a customer, as a paying customer, would want the mini for the future, that's what I would want it to look like. Gotcha. It looks modern. It looks a little bit quirky. It's got character, but it's also clean. Mm -hmm. Also, a big contribution from, from, from on the exterior side, obviously, from Christopher Weil as well, yeah, who's the project leader. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So I mean, uh, as you can tell, I like to work with Christopher. He's a great no, guy. No, Christopher is a, yeah, he's a great guy actually. I mean, we've we've talked to him quite a bit. So I do want to go back to the F thirty and the F platform. Uh, you mentioned that I think there's there's not a lot of people that talk about that uh, that platform today, and maybe like in the future they will see it as a as a future classic. But I think the one reference that I've seen in the past was that that generation of F cars it was they were very very close in design, so it was tough sometimes to differentiate in between like an like an F30 and an F10 and maybe even the 7 series. Do you think that was like a very, very safe design language at the time? I mean, people loved it, but do you feel like it was too safe? Yeah, yeah I think it was too safe, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think uh, I think that, uh, uh, I mean, it worked well, like you say, they sold. It sold a lot. And especially F10, we, we mm -hmm. you know, the design from Yatsek, whatever was fantastic and it yeah. worked really well. Um, F, uh, F11 was fantastic as well. Probably one of the best looking uh, uh, tourings ever built, okay. I think. Um, so I was really proud also to be part of that. And um, so, yeah, we might have gotten a little bit caught up in, in, in wanting this family of cars to, to look well together. Mm -hmm. But I also want to point out that we went further on the one series, for example, and I really like that as well, the F20. Um, and uh, there we really worked uh, around, let's say, a very different character around the front end, mm -hmm. um, so, which I think still is super, super strong before facelift. I think it's super characterful, you know. Is that the car that got like three facelifts? No, 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 no. The, the facelift on it was beautiful. I think the first one that came out, it was with the buggy eyes a little bit, but I think the, the, the facelift was beautiful. And it was probably the most radical facelift that I've seen probably the last 10, 15 years. I see it a little bit different. I obviously uh, was par part of the uh, finding the new, let's say, buggy-eyed front end. So it kind of goes back to what you said. Do they look too similar? I think I wanted the one series to look different from the three series. And that's why we made this intentionally buggy-eyed front end gotcha. with the inside line goes up and, and uh, with the singular taillights, whatever. So I may be a little bit alone with that uh, opinion, but I was responsible at the time for these cars, and I really wanted to make sure that that uh, that we we keep a character for one series because Chapman's E uh, 80, uh, 87 uh, was was like a, for me uh, a revelation. You know, E eighty two, of course, and E eighty one. You know, but E eighty one, E eighty seven, I think were really really wonderful uh, one series cars that really. Uh, actually brought in meaning this one uh, BMW this very uh, characterful appearance which I thought was brilliant so I actually wanted the one series to be more unique and uh, so as you can tell generally I'm an advocate for maximum uniqueness mm -hmm. so if your point is saying uh, maybe three series five series seven series might have been a little bit too close I wouldn't disagree with you on that I actually think that's a fair comment but i would also say that um that is the backbone of of the whole bmw uh, world is 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 to make sure that that line one series five series and seven series mm -hmm. that it's uh, together you know so yeah. um it, it is a difficult topic uh, uh, because how far do you then go uh, one of my favorite five series of all time was davide's e60 you know i yeah. love that just still today it's fresh we do too mm -hmm. yeah it's just fantastic i had it as a uh, e61 uh, with a sport package mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we actually talked to Chris about that. I was telling him how you know people actually love the E60 today, and then he gave us an, an inside story um, into the design and the Davide, you know, his death, you know, and the tribute to him and all of that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's such a it's such a good looking car, even what 20, 30 years later, whatever that is right now. Davide was a, a genius, and uh, it's amazing that especially these kind of people are taken from us because he had so much to give. Um, and uh, he was a wonderful team player inside the BMW design team. I remember when he did the first sketches, because I was doing the Z4 at the time, uh, and he was doing the first sketches for the E60, because I'd actually done a pre-prototype uh, pre for the E60 before his design uh, got chosen, mm -hmm. so which was more like flamey and like this, yeah. you know, up and down like my design was. And then um, he was sitting over like three desks away. There was like Bruno Amatino was sitting there, and then there's Davide. And Davide, who is making these sketches for the E60, and uh, he, uh, because he's kind of a self-taught person, he, uh, this was also the time before computer, mm -hmm. he worked a lot, just like Joji Nagashima, with brushes. Mm -hmm. So he was really working in gouache, and, in, and he had this image of a Zeppelin, you know, like this airship mm -hmm. as it comes together. So it's like, like a cucumber in silver and kind of go together. And you can see that in the E60 today, this kind of cucumber shape with that very negative shoulder, like the Zeppelin section, and then to the nose and the back, like a flower kind of thing. And that's where the first sketch is, you, you know that sketch because it's online, it's that greenish, and it's kind of, and it's sitting in front like a hanger, it's like a painting. Yeah. And uh, it was David is one of his first sketches, and he wanted it to be inspired by the Zeppelin shape. And yeah, great, great memories. Um, he was a very, very, very yeah, amazing guy. I'm sure everybody who worked with him would say the same thing. Yeah, that's what, that's what Chris Bangle said too. Um, so uh, since you mentioned a little bit about the design process, can you, can you give us some insight on how actually the, the design process works at a large company? Like some people are always saying, well, you know, it's that guy that designed the car and it's his fault. Like walk me through like how a project starts. I mean, I know some of the, the details, but probably don't know all of them. So I know you start with some requirements, then you go into a sketching phase and then so on and so forth. Well, uh, there's something before that. And okay. that I think is very essential, uh, especially, and I know the BMW guys would concur. What's really important is before you actually get your, let's say, assignment, oh, you're going to design this car, you're going to design this car. There's a phase called the early phase that's basically preempting that. And in that phase, you're actually um, also letting the design teams run wild with new form language and new ideas. And a lot of the ideas that then get defined into cars mm -hmm. are kind of like picked out of that, you know, let's say uh, flower bed of ideas. You're kind of picking the best stuff and, you s and then marketing will come in and say, oh, this is interesting, what is that? And then we'll say, well, because we're thinking, can you do this, can you do that? Blah, blah, blah. You know, um, and and you a lot of times the design team uh, will get the assignment uh, to just kind of not run wild, but to do this like exploring phase where you're just exploring for new ideas, and then it's easier for marketing to come in and say, okay, well we have these kind of customers, we have kind of this requirement. What's that thing over there? And we say, well, that's that crazy thing we're thinking about this and they go like well actually it's interesting because it fits our requirements can we make a project out of that so there's kind of a marriage between let's it's a chicken egg discussion did the idea come from a powerpoint from marketing or does it come from a sketch 
I think usually it's both because you have a, a platform strategy from the company. What are the wheelbases? How many derivatives will we need to do, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then you got us designers just dreaming up ideas, you know, and say, oh, wouldn't that be great to do this? Wouldn't it be great to do this? Uh, and you, we just kind of play in that pond. That's the early phase. Mm -hmm. Now, from the early phase, there's a point where you, and you have to explain that to the board members as well, because explain them what the context is, how the world's going to change. All this thing about going towards digitalization and big data, et cetera, means that the products will become slightly different. Mm -hmm. So we kind of trying to show these cars in the context of how things uh, uh, will change in five or 10 or 16 years. Yeah. And I remember at the time when I was still at BMW, we were really looking towards 2030, 2035, 2040. What is the context that we are working towards? Mm -hmm. Where are we heading? And we even did entire projects where we didn't even do exteriors. We just did a digital experience, mm -hmm. interior experiences before we even do the cars. Um, so that's early phase. And then comes that point where the company says, we want this car. And that, uh, that could be a three series, a five series, a mini, it could be uh, any production car um, that a company decides to do. And they will then, uh, the company will basically give an assignment to the design team and say, okay, this is the project, this is the project leader, this is the marketing guy, work together and create this product. And then you go into that usual design competition, mm -hmm. which honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of. I'm not, I don't like competition uh, in design because anyways, because I'm a driven guy anyway, so I don't need people to breathe down my neck to do more work. I'm going to produce tons of work anyway so yeah. i don't i never needed that competition mm -hmm. that's why i love to work with davide because we had no problem with handing over projects mm -hmm. you know my project e85 for the c4 got selected and his for the e60 got selected and we kind of support each other it was never like against each other it was more together so i like the togetherness mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people that know me think that i that 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 i might be not quite truthful about that because i'm also known to be very pushy, pushy yeah. But I'm pushy for the company, pushy for the best solution, mm -hmm. pushy for us, not for me as a person. That's not what I want to push. Really, yeah. I don't want to. I want to make the best three series with Christopher. I want to make these things uh, that is a joint collaboration, great input from Kevin Rice, whatever. So mm -hmm. that's what happens, uh, I think, in that phase where you have this competition. Yeah. yeah. When And I don't think, and this is an important thing, maybe other people see differently, and that's their opinion. But... I don't think that there's a winner in a design process because we all contribute. Mm -hmm. So whether it's him or her that gets that selected. I mean, look at the guys right now, whether it's Anne Forschner or Song Molim mm -hmm. yeah, or uh, Jose Casas. I mean, these, are, these guys are like a family. So whether it's his car or her car, or whatever, maybe it's important, but I don't think it's that important. Because at the end, it is, it is a team effort and everyone works together and people like each other. That you have to remember, these people go for lunch every day together. They, li they live together at the office. Mm -hmm. So there's not that competition as strong, I think. At Mini also, I had that very strongly that I didn't want one guy to be like the guy that's like, oh, he's the designer of and the other people are not present. I really want to make sure that everyone contribute on the next Mini. Everyone contribute on the on the mini next 100 that mm -hmm. everybody in the team feel that they make a difference. Mm -hmm. So that's what's happened in the second phase. Uh, after the early phase, you go into this, let's say production phase, mm -hmm. uh, where you design the cars, you go from, I don't know, five cars down to three cars, down to two cars, maybe down, down to one ultimately. 
and then there's about a year i would say depending on i've experienced some other companies now as well where it's maybe like three months it might be six weeks and they they goes really quick it goes quicker and quicker from decision to we're going to go into production you know because uh, uh, ev like everything moves so quickly today in the design world i mean everything it's exponential and i think like the trends are accelerating so fast that if you mm. stick to the seven year production cycle you might be too late to many things I mean, this is, I, I totally agree. And uh, this is also an appeal to a lot of the companies I work with right now. We're really working about working towards new technologies of production methods. Because, yes, if you have an investment of a steel body car that, bam, you know, you have to build a house that presses the steel panels. It's a big thing. Yeah. And it's a huge investment. So, okay, that would be part of a car anyways. But what if a lot of the panels and the inserts and the things we do are made out of 3D printing or you can make more adjustments, you know, along the way? Yeah. Uh, we might even, maybe that's, uh, we're not there yet, but uh, I hope that the industry will get to a point where we'd be able to maybe update a car every year. Mm -hmm. Why should we wait three and a half years for a facelift? Yeah, because sure, yeah. if we have... Uh, um, you know, you're a young guy, you know, we're all movers and shakers. Why should we wait three and a half years for, for the next cool thing? Maybe you want it next year, you know, and w it's a little bit, okay, now we get into this whole issue of styling. I had uh, uh, talk about that also the last couple of weeks, whereas I say, if people are a little bit afraid of this model year thing, like in the 50s and the 60s in America, you say you have a 65 Mustang or a 66 Mustang or whatever, every year was like a different look. But if I'm honest, personally, I think it's kind of nice. You know, it's a little bit, it would be nice to have more frequent updates, colors and additions. And, and anyways, scarcity is a good marketing tool. So if you have, you know, 300 of this car mm -hmm. and it's only 300 and they're all numbered, mm -hmm. you know, and you got uh, 2000 of these cars, it's, you know, it's kind of like yeah, small yeah. facelifts and Porsche is really good at that. Just make sure you keep it limited and change the sticker and the bumper and have some good technique in it. There's more to it, I know. Yeah, but yeah. the point is, there's a desirability of having one of 300 cars. It is, yeah. So, I mean, it, it applies to any any luxury product. Exactly. Yeah. Someone it will, will show you or your wife, like, this is an expensive uh, bag and uh, Louis Vuitton, and it's only one of 50 worldwide. And, and you're like, no. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so, what else I wanted to ask? Have you have you ever worked on a on a supercar? What's your take on supercars? We ask Chris the same question. Yeah, I have worked on supercars because we're dream car car design dreamers. Uh, actually, I will. I'm pushing. Um, I'm going to put a, a a Porsche race car online. I think in about a week's time. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. Just fun stuff that yeah. I've been working because I'm a dreamer like everybody else. You know, I like to dream about sexy sports car proportions. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's ultimately the reason why there are so many supercars because we're kids. I mean, admittedly, there's no. Uh, I love the car that I did, but I also know it's not going to change the world, especially not for the better. It's yeah. just another race car going down the Mulsanne straight, you know, but I kind of like that. So that's me because I'm emotionally attached to the Le Mans Steve McQueen film, right? Because yeah. I grew up around that film. So these images of these Porsche 917s going down the straight, you know, so shoot me, mea culpa. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So I, lo I love this stuff. I know. I know it's not. 
So it's um, I do like uh, flat supercars, and uh, I'm honest about it, and I admit it, and I love it. It's great stuff. But um, supercars uh, right now, this is my only complaint about it, because I kind of want to separate it from this idea of new mobility that actually is a passion of mine, how to make people move in the future, uh, different interior experiences, flying experiences, and stuff like that. So I'm thinking... Basically, I don't really see the purpose of taking the supercar proportions, desirability of supercars, mm -hmm. and then uh, you know fill it with with uh, with new technology. I mean, there's so many of those supercars that are costing I don't know uh, millions of euros, and they're built out all out built out of unobtainium, you know. Mm -hmm. And, and it's all built out of unobtainium and it's all, uh, it's like something that you just see YouTube film about some really rich people driving them around on a straight line. And, and I kind of wonder what you do these drag tests or whatever. I'm like, that for me doesn't really do it for me. So I, for me, usually I say uh, future technology should be applied to what's relevant to people's lives mobility electrification headroom comfort style that's okay but i personally don't really see the supercar thing 100 percent. this thousand or three thousand horsepower uh, electric sports cars accelerating zero to 60 in 1.9 sex personally i don't really feel it if you ask me honestly, I don't really feel it. So if I design that that Porsche for fun, because I've just been doing it here on the weekends just to have fun, right? Yeah. I might have some I can sketches. See it. It's somewhere up there. Yeah. yeah, there's some up there. I mean, I just sketch and I hang stuff up and start projects. And I do. I, I'm gonna do some heli. I've done some helicopters. I'm also gonna put those online. So I've got nice. some helicopters coming. I've got some driving boxes, mobility oh, stuff. Awesome. I got sports cars. I got the motorcycle I just did. So I'm just trying to do fun stuff yeah, all around. Anyways, cool. Cool. but I don't really uh, see myself. I don't feel so passionate when I see these uh, two and a half thousand horsepower supercars. I'm kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, if I think race car or sports car, like this Porsche 917, you know, mm -hmm. It, it really what we're dreaming about is the sound you know mm -hmm. i think it's different for small roadsters like that's like life uh, you know you know driving mm -hmm. you know like i did this austin healy sprite lately just for fun and we did the mini super Legera, which is like these small electrical holistic way of traveling roadster driving i think roadster you know and the fun of driving a z4 or z2 or something like that in the future I think, or Austin Healy Sprite, that, that, because it's small, it's lightweight, it's got that Colin Chapman, Lotus Elise feeling, that's okay. But I'm not really getting these, like, plus 1,000 horsepower supercars. Gotcha. Yeah, so yeah. Um, lately I've been, um, I've been having these deep thinking sessions with myself and no one really cares about. <laughs> but I was thinking about this pandemic and the things that will change. So prior to COVID-19, I think a lot of the, uh, the design... Um, ideas were around uh, car sharing and uh, mobility with other people and all of that but now we saw that actually the you know post not post covid but during covid actually the car sales went up because people actually want to own their own car right now so it feels safer and how would that 
affect all these design ideas that were prior to COVID where let, let's build a car for the future, you know, self-driving car with 10 people in my car and having this uh, living room and lounge in my car. Will, do you think this pandemic will change that? that we're we're going to go back to like everybody own, own, wants to own their own car and I want to have my own car and that's it? Honestly, I've never thought about it the way you're saying. So that's actually an interesting thought. That makes me think because I actually got this driving autonomous box that I'm going to put online also in the next couple of months that I've also finished that I thought was fun. But um, uh, so that's definitely letting four people sit uh, in, in, in a closed space. But I want to say I don't but I don't know politically. I don't know what's going to happen. But, uh, but uh, and and health-wise, we don't know. Nobody has a glass ball. But I do hope that we get back to normal, mm -hmm. and I do hope that that uh, once the vaccine uh, kicks in and and people can be basically the herd immunity takes place, mm -hmm. I think uh, I think we miss each other. You know, I still want to travel to other parts of the world. I do want to sit close to people in an airplane without having to worry. Because I like people, you know, I like to talk to, get to know people on an airplane without having to worry about wearing masks. And, you know, so I think, um, I do think we have to wear masks. We have to be safe. And this is the uh, rules right now. And I completely stick to them. I, I'm all about that. No problem. But I do hope that we're going to return to normal and that we're going to get close to each other again, because uh, I want to see you in person in the future as well, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, the question is, you know, we will return to normal. The question is, no one really knows when. You know, is it you know one year, five years, ten years? But I think I'm, I'm pretty sure that a lot of car companies are already starting to think about that. You know, is are people going to be af afraid to ride with other people for the next five years? Mm. So, because uh, I mean, car like car sharing was huge in the U.S. I mean, maybe it was not in in uh, Europe, but the U.S. was huge. I mean, everyone was car sharing. Actually, in a city like Chicago, no one really wanted to own a car anymore because it was not cost effective. It was not cool anymore, and all of that. But now I see the opposite. Well, people are actually thinking about buying cars. So that's kind of what got me thinking. Like, you know, all these car companies have spent all this time designing these boxes, like you said. And now, what's going to happen next? Which is interesting for sure. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I don't know what happens politically or health-wise, but my hope is that it's it's going to be within a foreseeable, maybe within a year or something like that. And then if that's the case, I don't think that would be a big, sh or should be a big change in our, because you have to think about those people in, 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 uh, in Chicago, they do it for a reason, you know, because sharing is a good thing and being close to people is a good thing. So, yeah, it's really a matter of time and it's out of our hands, so we don't know. All we can do is react, but I, let's put it this way. I would not wish to design objects for a future where we're more separate. Yeah. As a naive person, I would like to design products for, for a future where we are close, mm -hmm. whether it's tomorrow or in five years, that's not for me to decide, but I want to be close to people. I want to share, I want to meet people and in the zoo and go for a walk or whatever. I mean, here in Munich, they're close to zoo, poor animals. They, they're missing, you know, the interaction with people, you know? So it's that kind of stuff. Not only we, but also the animals feel that there's something weird, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, I think, uh, I, yeah, I just hope that everyone will be safe and we'll get back to normal as soon as possible with some, some good, good uh, tough decisions from politics that make the right choices. And then that we, as let's say visionary of future mobility, new cars, that we have the premise to design cars and objects that uh, also make people come together. Right, I just want to ask you, uh, Anders, I have a question I'd like to ask designers actually. It's a, it's a design question that 
uh, really interests me. It's the idea that there seems to be two trains of thought when it comes to electric mobility. Um, it seems like with electric car designs, car designers like to either go with really safe designs that look like regular cars, like if you look at the Audi e-tron, it just kind of looks like a regular Audi. And then you look at other uh, car companies, they want to go really futuristic and really, um, you know, kind of dynamic and, and really out there, like really futuristic designs. What do you think, what do you personally like better? Do you want electric cars to look more like traditional cars or do you want them to look very specifically like electric cars? Well, that's a very interesting question, actually. I, I have to say, I, uh, I'm probably more towards uh, let's say the extraordinary design side of things. I have a general chart um, that I always present to all my clients, which is I say that you go from a mainstream and generic design to like aggressive and strange cars. It's kind of a bell curve, you know, that's like a bell curve from right. kind of normal to, you know, cutting edge, uh, uh, stern, focused, and then you go into the aggressive and strange. And usually aggressive and strange sells well let's say for smaller segments, I mean, something like uh, uh, Lamborghini sells on aggressive looks for clear, you know, because it's a small segment, it's a specific target group, they can allow themselves. But if you want to have or sell to a larger group, um, there's a tendency to play it kind of safe because you want big sales volume. And my general uh, preference is to be, I would say, basically a little bit to the right, a little bit towards what I call remarkable. And I hope maybe this Z4 is a good example of that. A design that represents a roadster, but it does it in a new twist sort of way. Right. And uh, to the electrical cars, I see it the same way. I don't necessarily need uh, strange cars if they're electrical cars, because that has been a little bit the criticism on design that maybe the search for new form language for electrification makes sometimes makes them look strange. And a guy like Elon Musk, he just places straight down the middle. And he just said, as long as they look like something people like, and that was the Model S, I think that many people really like the look of it. And, but, you know, it's not a car that I visually dream about at night. You know, I'm sure maybe even Elon Musk himself, because it's, it's a normal looking, good looking car, but it doesn't change the aesthetics of the car language. Let's put it this way. If, if it had done that, then we wouldn't have the Cybertruck. So it's clearly that he and his team are aware that the Model S is playing it safe and playing it cool, Model 3. Right. And the Cybertruck is then, you know, to show, yes, we know there is another world. So let's say I'm more of a Cybertruck kind of guy than a Model S kind of guy, if we're talking yeah. Tesla language. I like to have something where I feel that there is an element of punk rock in, in the... Mm -hmm. In, in in the music playing some you know it's got it's got a message you know i was saying to someone the other day i think i said it also on an interview i was saying that uh um, you can you know i don't want to be making music like britney spears you know sorry sorry britney but i mean i you know i i i like kurt cobain i like john lennon i like the guys that change the world you know that really have a message you know and in car design and I applaud the, any car design team, and of course our hero, our mentor is Chris Mangle, but any the team that really tries to find a form language where people go like, whoa, cool, you know? And that's where I say, you know, yeah, that's why I love John Lennon in music because he's the guy who always, you know, turned the right buttons at the right time. I mean, 40 years ago, whatever, so it's long, so long, but you know, but that's kind of the analogy. So I want something that's remarkable, something you re remember, 
That's what the, 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 the vehicles I design. On the other hand, when it comes to cars, you know, like the Porsche I'll show here in the next couple of days online, yeah, it's more bubblegum. It's just more yeah. bubblegum. And I admit it, but, but some, it's like, you know, food. Sometimes you have steak, sometimes you have strawberry ice cream, you know, mm-hmm. kind of depends, you know, and uh, the Porsche 917, I call it Porsche 999. I thought that was kind of fun that that name probably wasn't taken. So it's just, a, it's just a low, fast sports car. And I know it's strawberry ice cream or whatever, yeah, right. but it's, uh, but it, but that's, more maybe a, a normal car with a normal drivetrain, you know. Yeah. Um, and I have this other thing coming up. I was just mentioning this one here to what I said about this driving box. I have this thing with like you're inside of a treehouse, and that thing I showed it to a friend of mine the other day. That thing is interesting, <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it's like somebody was like, "Is that a, even a car?" And I'm like, "If you want it to be, <laughs> you know." So, you know, what, what I like to pride myself on is to play the range from, you know, sweet, uh, you know, emotive, automotive stuff to something where people go like, is that even a car? I like to have all in my vocabulary. Right. And that's the answer to your question. When it comes to electrical cars, I want to be more on the right, more towards strong message. And I applaud yeah. companies that dare to go that way. Okay. Cool. Do you think that um, electric cars due to the lack of the necessary, like necessary packaging for internal combustion engines, like they don't need that sort of thing. Do you think that there's a, a possibility for more expressive designs for electric cars? Yeah, then- sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. And the interesting thing about it is that uh, technically you have a different layout uh, because of the usually like a skateboard layout. You do have a, a, a flat floor. Maybe on the Porsche Taycan you have the foot garage, but other than that you have a flat uh, sort of a a uh, lower skateboard and then you can right. you, you can work with different volumes on top of that so right. he, again also i like the tycon but you know <laughs> but but it's like does it need to be that close to a silhouette of a 911 if it is i've got a flat floor it could have right. been cool to see like even more like race car volumes you know a boxy things you did you know what i really liked I thought you might even like this as well. That uh, I loved uh, that when they showed all these uh, hidden uh, hidden Porsches last uh, couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I my favorite was that little uh, minivan Porsche. Yeah, that red one. Really cool. Yeah. I was like, great, because that's actually so. Talk about different proportions. Could that be the coolest, fastest race van ever? How cool is that? You know, if that's an electrical race van. And not like a regular motor, but if that one was electrical and I could buy it, sign me up. That's mm-hmm. that would be my daily driver. You know, yeah, I would drive that. Uh, I would drive. A, uh, we've done internally also some projects at Mini at some point you know, around vans and stuff, right? So this is for me a race van. It's a cool yeah. thing. Remember the Cyan XB years ago? Yeah. yeah you know, and, and a lot of the kids, they put like the black uh, steel wheels on it and lower it. And, you know, I thought that was cool. So, I mean, what I would love from, from a brand like Porsche would be like uh, an electrical race van. You know, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. So, yeah, more character. Gotcha. I'm going to ask you one more question. I'll let you go. It's, we, we've been uh, keeping it too long. Uh, I wouldn't be doing my job if I don't ask you this. What do you think of the uh, 4 Series and the M3 and F4 grill? And it's not a knock on Domagoy or Adrian. Or what? Any of <laughs> I, I think someone is uh, calling. <laughs> so, 
I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know Domagoy quite well, and we always talk about the uh, reels, and I understand the styling, or the, not the, the styling, the design philosophy behind it, but I, I'm always curious to hear, you know, people that are outside, you know, what do they think about it? I'm not outside. I'm good friends with Domagoy, too. <laughs> All right, so then, so then we're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> Let's a, put it this way. I, I really, I really, um, um, I, it's such a, it's a wonderful thing for me because I, I'm really, um, I cannot have an opinion about it because I love the people. It's a difference because I can have stylistic ideas, but it doesn't really matter because Anna and Soing Mo, you know, these are great friends of mine. So I can't have any uh, stylistic opinions about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, to just end with this, I think uh, it's very polarizing. I think the idea was to really differentiate between products. I think that's what some people have been asking for years. I don't think they were ready for such a you know radical change. But then I always like to point out to the E60 generation and some other cars that were very, you know, uh, styling was different, and now they're well loved. I don't think they're going to be well loved, but I think uh, they definitely have character. So they. They look better when you see them in person too. They're not as polarizing, maybe. But um, yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I guess we'll find out. Time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah, exactly. But That's like the... I said, these are great people. They're great people. I I, I like these people. I like to work with them. I uh, have good relationships privately to everyone. So so time will tell. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't envy any designer because it's tough to put your work out there, and especially with social media today, it's so easy to criticize everyone. And uh, if you don't have a thick skin, it's 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 easy to get to you probably, you know. So it's, you know, back in the day there was no social media. The feedback was not so direct. Maybe you would hear it from like newspapers and reviews, but now it's like it's on you constantly, you know. <laughs> I don't even I don't even know if I hundred percent agree with you. I do yeah. think that we felt uh, for many years that certain things that are seen certain ways we did know, uh, but we also I think a creative team has to look inward and they're family and they stick together and that's what it's about and you know let's go back to the analogy of music you know um if if you play music and you feel like in the band that we're doing the right thing and the music we're making mm -hmm. is important i think that's more important than uh judging whether people are dancing or sitting in the crowd i think first you have to find the music in the band uh, and look to the drummer, look to the bass player, see, are we having a good relationship? Synergy, yeah. Synergy, and that's, uh, that's step number one for me, that is, also, and that's how I like to do design. And uh, the way I like to do things is I also like, you'll see a couple of strange things from me in the next couple of weeks. Can't wait, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's just, I know a lot of them, people will go like, hmm, that's, Anders is, uh, what did he smoke, you know? And I'll be like, you know, I liked, no, Actually, this was done without something, actually. That's how, that's how creative I can be. Nice. No, but the point is just that I'm saying is that you have to go places. Remember the thing I said in the beginning of this talk is daringly thinking future. You have to dare to take matters in your own hand and think about the future. Well, Anders, uh, thank you so much for your time. We've taken a lot of time. Thank you very I really much. appreciate it. I yeah, Nico and Horatio, thanks for your time.